Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach repping the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4th Down Experience. We are in episode four now. Uh, We've had a great run so far of interviews and podcasts, and we appreciate all the support and feedback you guys have given us over these last three. Welcome, Brian. How are you doing? Hey, doing good, man. Uh, You know, that was an awesome episode in episode three with uh, NFL kicker um, Will Lutz, and just stoked about this one. We've got a great guest. Yeah. That was a fun interview. So, obviously, Will Lutz, NFL kicker for the New Orleans Saints in his second year. That was great. Um, he's a guy that Brian and I have followed and have, have almost been a part of his life for almost about a three- to four-year period. So, you know, those types of stories and, and connections with athletes are is great when you just follow their journey. So, if you haven't listened to it, uh, check us out on the 4th Down Experience podcast or even on SoundCloud, 4th Down Experience and it's our most recent episode uh, before this one, titled NFL Kicker Will Lutz Discusses His Life as a Pro. So uh, check it out. So Yeah, we really appreciate Lutz uh, for doing that for us. You know, He didn't have to do that, and for 20 minutes out of his day, uh, that was great insight for not only us, but for specialists and, and folks around the world, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, so what's what's pretty cool, guys, is you know we're, we're very appreciative of the traction and the support, and you know we're one of... I think we're, we're the only special teams podcast out there. You know, Pat McAfee does a great job where he is definitely given a lot of credit and acknowledgement uh, to specialists. So we appreciate what he does as well. So between our, in, in our last podcast, we basically doubled the amount of listeners and, and followers and subscriptions. And, and, and to date, actually, as we record this podcast, have had 483 people listen subscribe, support, all that sort of thing uh, to the podcast. So that's great. Yeah. Pretty much doubled after that interview. So that was great. So thanks, guys, and thanks for all the followers and listeners. Yeah, we've had people um, – this is an international podcast now, Chris. We've had people in Germany, uh, Canada, and Brazil, uh, and uh, obviously the States, um, listen to our podcast. Uh, and United Kingdom. And I think you said oh. Canada. So so we, we're <laughs> an international podcast. Man. Pretty sweet, that's man. Great. Uh, the more we can influence folks and just give basically free information – uh, uh, the better that we're just just improving the industry and and we we love doing this. Uh, obviously, uh, we want to thank our wives, uh, Lou and Stephanie. We thank you, um, and obviously our kids, uh, you know, for for letting us do this, and, and even our dogs. Now that uh, Chris is a few weeks into dog, so you haven't given up the dog yet, have you? Man, there have been some <laughs> testing times this last week. So funny story, we've decided until it's potty trained, we will not let our dog go in the bedrooms. <laughs> And so there's times it follows us up there, and we just, I just shut the door. That dog turns around and goes to the bathroom right on the carpet, like, <laughs> in spite of it. It drives me nuts. And so I'm just trying to find this happy medium of letting him out and letting, him, letting her run about. And I'll tell you, man. what worked is you let them sit in their own urine. Just literally, or put their, or let, or put their face, or put their nose into the urine on the field. 
or, or I mean the grass in the backyard. I know it sounds kind of cruel and sounds bad, but that worked really quickly for our little dog, uh, Bella. I've tried a few of those things, and we'll see. I think this next weekend we will be starting <laughs> our dog training classes because I've almost had enough of this type of thing. But she's cute. She's fun. You know, she's a lap type of dog. And uh, I, I kind of like the cuddling thing. I'm getting it. I understand why people get into their pets. And <laughs> so I get yeah. it. So, cool, man. So that was, that's was that been sort of my week. Uh, just been training kids. Um, uh, you know, we're doing some indoor training at Game Face, and it's working. And mm-hmm. we're four weeks into that, and it's been – or three to four weeks into that. And it's been fun to see guys when they go back to the basics and really fine-tune their technique, the, the strides they make. Because we all know – Kids might cram their lessons in before the season starts or they're in season and they need tune-ups, but sometimes they don't change their technique because what kind of got them going in the season, they don't quite change it, but it's been fun to see those improvements. Yeah, I've been watching your Insta stories and Snapchats on Special Teams FB, and it's been pretty cool to see um, the partnership with Gameface, and it looks like uh, just perceptionally uh, these guys are getting about 45 minutes of kicking training in with you and, and indoors because it's, it's cold as crap up there and uh, probably snowing like as we speak up there and then and then they get some some conditioning and agility training it looks like from your partner so it's pretty cool stuff it's funny you mentioned the weather brian um it had been in the 50s for about a week and as we prepped for our interview and prepped for this podcast it snowed about an inch (laughs) of snow so we're about to hit about 10 straight days of temperatures in the 20s well chris i'll tell you this down here in the south like it's hitting us right now, but um, actually in a few days when you travel down for the Southern Specialist Camp, it will actually be in the 50s will be the high and the 30s will be the low in Mississippi. So I'll be ready for it. That is shorts weather for me. So Dude, we're like, I will not be bringing hoodies uh, and sweatpants. I'll be wearing shorts. Oh, my gosh. Well, um, I, I had a pretty boring weekend. Just basically did yard work and hung out with the family. Uh, I'm soaked about this interview, man. Um, who, who do we have as our guest, or do you want to hint at it, or what do you want to say here? Yeah, so I'm gonna hit. Uh, I'm gonna hint a little bit about it here, but uh, you probably followed this this Twitter account over the last year. It's really sort of exploded and snowballed over the last two years. We will be interviewing <coughs> Peter Mortel, former Minnesota Gopher punter. Uh, had a good stint in preseason with the Green Bay Packers, so obviously our Midwest followers definitely know who he is. The creator, the president of the Peter Mortel Holder of the Year Award, which actually will be announced this Thursday on ESPN. So uh, we are looking forward to this interview and talking to him about how this came about and just his life as a specialist as well. So super excited to uh to do this interview here in about five ten minutes i mean just the variety of the special guests that we've gotten on here i mean we're four for four here i I mean i'm assuming it'll be four for four i'm already so stoked to talk about holding uh especially with mortel but you know our first our first podcast was with the adam venetary of the arena leagues mark lewis second was you know legendary coach tom feely third uh lutzy with the saints and, and now fourth mortel who is just super creative and we cannot wait to ask him some fire questions about how he got so much attraction to the holder of the year award and you know we picked a perfect week and obviously he had some time to uh to talk with us um today on this podcast so we cannot wait to interview him and ask him some awesome questions but first let's get into our first segment 
and we're going to be a little quicker than, than usual because we really want to ask Peter a lot of questions. So we're going to go ahead and talk about our top five special teams plays and topics. Uh, Chris, what's number five? All right, our top five, uh, it's an article that came out a little bit earlier in the fall, but I think it's, it's definitely worth talking about. It is an article that discusses the livelihood of the anonymous athlete on the team, the long snapper. But what's interesting about this article that came out, and we will tweet about it on the 4th Down Experience Twitter account here later tonight. Um, title's called, How to Anonis Anonymously Make a Million Dollars in the NFL. Nice. It's an article dedicated to the snappers. Yep. So all you long snappers that have been hitting us up saying, hey, man, talk about snapping. Dude, we talked about snapping in our last podcast. This one, long snapper Clark Harris, uh, you know, great article by ESPN staff writer Catherine uh, Terrell. You guys should check it out. So let's just, all right, let's just talk about this. So in this article, there are, 13 NFL snappers making a million dollars or more in the league. So there is hope for you guys. The unsung hero, the quiet ghost on the team, only noticed when there's a bad snap, but that's okay. So let's just rank, let's go down the five most highly paid snappers right now. All right? <laughs> the Browns. Nice. So, number one guy on the Browns, Charlie Hewlett, making $1.46 million. That's bank right there. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, <coughs> number two, from the Giants, Zach Dossi. And we hope we're not butchering your names, guys. Um, and if you, if you listen to this podcast, shoot us a DM. We'd love to talk to you about this. <laughs> Wait till you get to the uh, Cowboys snapper's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So so Zach's making $1.3 million. Number three on the list at $1.22 million, J.P. LaDashour. I hope I got that right, but I don't think I did. But he's with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, number four, with the Titans at $1.17 million, Bo Brinkley. And then we'll finish up number five, uh, 49ers snapper Kyle Nelson with $1.15 million salary. It's funny because uh, the punter for the Bengals is quoted in this article saying, uh, talking about Harris, he thinks he's a good punter. Uh, Huber joked. That's so funny because there's so many times that uh, we've been with snappers that even at our camps, Chris, where snappers just were like, hey, coach, check out this punt. And they'll, they'll hit a turnover. It may only go like 20 yards, but they'll hit one, and they'll be so amped. And uh, so kudos to the snapper and, and all the other 14 snapper, 13 or 14 snappers that are making over um, seven figures in the league. Let's, let's carry on over to number four. Number four is Robbie Gould uh, playing against his former team. Uh, Robbie Gould played for the Bears for several years. Uh, I think he was like 84 uh, field goal percentage uh, for the Bears in the Windy City and he ends up um, getting cut uh, by Coach Fox and that team, and now he's playing for the 49ers. He ends up winning this game single-handedly against his former team, 5-for-5 five five on field goals with a game-winner, 24-yarder, and uh, he, they win 15-14, Chris. That's amazing. You know, I talked about it in one of, one of the earlier podcasts. Something Sometimes things are just a little bit more sweeter when there's a little bit of a revenge. You know, not not – in a bad way, but man, when when you can get back at, at whatever and you perform well, it's it's just awesome. So you know, it's crazy, to... Chris. Is uh, when I was in Chicago Bears camp in 2007, um, it was rookie camp. The coaches would talk about like when when we were kicking, you would have to aim. It was a left to right wind, about 20 25 mile an hour wind, just at the practice fields, 
and you would have to aim about five to seven yards outside the left upright. And uh, talking to the coaches, Coach Tube at the time, um, I believe he's with the Buccaneers now or the Chiefs, one of the two. Um, I think he's with the Chiefs. But Coach Tube would talk about how in the stadium, um, sometimes Robbie Gould would aim like seven to ten yards outside one of the uprights to curve it in, and he was always like so good. Um, but anyways, let's let, that's awesome for Robbie. Let's let's move on to number three. What you got? Sure. So number three. Uh, sometimes in life, guys, as you get older, you realize uh, nothing greater than giving back. You know, and, and obviously Brian and I do our thing. We train specialists as our way to give back and. But um, <coughs> charitable work is a, is a very noble thing to do. And the NFL over the last two years have implemented us a week of the year, or two weeks of the year, I believe, where they, they call it My Cleats, My Cause. And what it allows to, uh, the, the NFL players to do is specialize and create their cleats and shoes and, and dedicate it in honor of somebody or some cause. And, and it's pretty cool to just see the different causes that all these different NFL athletes believe in or a part of, and so I uh, was looking at an article the other day about it, because obviously the, the My Cleat, My Cause thing just happened over the weekend, um, f- was able to find uh, four specialists that did a My Cleat, My Cause, so we just want to recognize those guys for what, they, what, they're, what they're doing, so first guy, um, Jaguars punter Brad Nortman, uh, Twitter account Brad Nortman-isms, he did a cause for suicide prevention, which is very nice and honorable to do. You know, it's been kind of a hot topic these days about mental awareness and mental, you know, just anything. And and so that's it was a nice thing to do. So if you check out his Twitter account, uh, you'll be able to see his cleats. Um, uh, uh, the other specialist, uh, Drew Kaiser, uh, recent starter for the San Diego Chargers, uh, Twitter account, Drew Kaiser. Um, his cleat was for American Cancer. Um, so so nice set of cleats there. Uh, the next two guys, uh, John Hecker, Johnny Hecker, um, at Jay Hecker, he did some nice cleats um, recognizing water boys. And I noticed when I was looking through the list of cleats out there, water boys is a is a is a fundraiser awareness for um, East Africa, um, recognizing and trying to help support um, people out there with their daily necessities of life. So um, so that was really nice of him to do. Uh, last specialist. Robbie Gold, so obviously wore his cleats in his in his comeback win um, against the Bears. Did one for uh, the Lowry Children's Foundation. So Robbie Gold, or at Robbie Gold 09. Uh, one last athlete I just want to recognize, isn't necessarily a kicker, but Richie Incognito of the Buffalo Bills. His cleats were uh, recognizing and supporting uh, Colleen's Dream Foundation, which is Billy Cundiff, former NFL kickers foundation that he helped run which is a fundraiser, or not a fundraiser, a, a charitable group that raises awareness for ovarian cancer. And I know Brian and I have gotten involved with that over the years in, in supporting that. So um, so kind of a, a cool thing to see, you know, overall. So Yeah, I love seeing these guys, you know, do this and picking their specific things. You know, you don't, there's an array of, of items that you can talk about, whether it's um, hits home to you or, or a family relative or, or maybe even a fan. And it's it's been really cool to see all the specialists. There have been so many other specialists that have done this too, and um, just really appreciative of what they're doing. Yep. So that leads us to uh, top play number two. Yeah, number um, two. Um, this is a guy that that 
that I've been training for five years. Uh, he even um, got to work with Chris and I a little bit, and we both, he got to work with his punting. Uh, Tristan Parsley uh, out of Harding University uh, Division II program uh, going up against Ferris State in the D2 playoffs up in the Midwest. Uh, they traveled to their location, and um, they were the underdog, and Tristan ended up hitting a 20-yard field goal, which may seem short, which it is. However, you got to knock it through to win the game with one second left and advance his team to the semifinals of the D2 playoffs. Yep. Obviously, we love game winners. We'll try to recognize those uh, whenever we can, but great to see it from a guy that we've gotten to know as well, and, and that's a significant game. I believe it was the quarterfinals, Elite Eight, and that's a, that's a huge win, and I believe he's a senior right now, so... Um, he's definitely going out on top the best he can right now. Yeah, and Harding University is a D2 program out, out in Arkansas, and so whenever we do our um, central specialist camp, uh, we always get a chance to work with Tristan, and, and he's helped uh, some guys out on his own time too. And, and uh, he's also going to be getting to get married here soon, uh, right after the season ends. So um, best of luck to you, Tristan, and the Harding um, team. Uh, so going into our number one play, this is uh, at the prep level, at the high school level. Um, these are uh, – Three guys that we've uh, trained that have attended our camps, actually four guys that have attended a camp of ours. Uh, the Pearl Pirates played against um, the Starkville uh, High School football team, 6A state championship game in uh, Mississippi uh, this past weekend. And uh, Dylan Hayes, long snapper, 2018 class. Um, Kyle Mar Margino, kicker, 2018 class. And Kay Davis, 2019. Uh, all three of those guys are on the Pearl Pirates team. And uh, Garen Bolniel over uh, on Starkville, they were all competing, and it was a heated game, Chris. Um, they each uh, all helped out, uh, and and Garen kicked a huge kick. I know that his dad, uh, Chris or Coach Bolniel, out at Mississippi State, he tweeted out the video just recently. Didn't you see that? Yeah. So what was kind of fun about this is, you know, as a as a kicking coach, you know, and Brian can attest to this, and any coach that's out there, you train a number of specialists and you follow them on social media and you see their posts and so it was just sort of fun over the weekend brian and i were just looking through the social media feeds and we saw a specialist from both sides of these teams posting about their game and the things that happened and and uh garen bonio hit a hit a great field goal towards the end of the game uh which which i think gave them the lead at that point in the game so that was cool to see yeah and, and you know and even kyle morgino hit a field goal in that game as well and i think the the margin of, uh, of the victory is only like four points, four or five points, something like that. But um, it was cool to see four specialists that we've worked with or at least attended a camp and training uh, help their teams. And, and Pearl ended up um, on top, and kudos to Coach Perry and the Pearl Pirates. Yep, and so like we always <coughs> say, we love seeing the success of the, of the specialists out there, especially if, you've gotten involved, if we've gotten involved with their lives from a training perspective. And it's just a very unique situation to see four specialists that you've interacted with, helped train, did a part of their life for one camp or a number of years, all go against each other for a state title, and that was pretty sweet. So just congratulations to the four of you guys for just making it that far, and then obviously uh, congratulations to the guys that, that earned that championship. So um, so, so congrats. So, um, so that actually wraps up our top five um, plays, segments, topics, that sort of thing. Um, one thing we want to talk about quickly before we head into our interview, guys, uh, Coach Jackson and I last year created a um, website, clothing and apparel line, dedicated to specialists. Um, 
Last year it was a big hit, and um, it's starting to grow again here this offseason. Um, it's called the Kicking Hub. So if you were to go to the website kickinghub.com, or I'm sorry, kickinghub.itemorders.com, we have a site with kicking apparel, winter hats, baseball hats, beanies, shorts, t-shirts, hoodies. Uh, it's grown. It's got the kicker brand on it. A lot of people like it. They love the logo, the look. Um, the site is live right now. It actually went live today for the winter segment. Um, so, so take a look at it if you'd like some kicking gear to support the brand, support the cause for our kickers. Yeah, and we'll actually tweet it out on our fourth down experience um, Twitter account as well so you guys can see that. Um, so now, hey, guys, I know you all are probably excited about this um, next interview. We are too. We cannot wait to ask him a bajillion questions that Chris has created. <laughs> um, I'm stoked. Uh, I got to meet him last year. And, uh, and I know Chris is excited as well. And, and this is a huge shout out to holders, you know, holders don't get near enough recognition as they should. And, and again, this is, uh, nationally known. The award will be, um, one on TV here in a week or so. Um, I'm excited to get in this interview, Chris. Yes. And it, yes. And so am I. So just a, a quick backstory, uh, Peter Mortel. So I'm from Minnesota. Peter Mortel played for our local Division One school, Minnesota Gophers. So I got a chance to meet him as a freshman in college. And so it was a fun opportunity to meet him, obviously because he's played for the local team. But uh, watch him develop from a freshman college kicker to be a three-year starter and then be able to pursue the league um, and have some time with the Green Bay Packers. It's, it's fun to watch athletes develop athletically. And from a mature standpoint, and he's gotten involved with some charities and things like that, and it's just really cool to see. And so, we're excited. Uh, Brian's going to give him a call in a, in a moment here. So, um, any last things to say about Peter before we give him a call? No, I actually got him pulled up right here. Uh, let's go ahead and get him on. All right, sounds good. And moving on to the second segment of our podcast here at the Fourth Down Experience, we are about to chat with the president of the Holder of the Year Award former punter of the Gophers and Packers. Let's give it up for Peter Mortel. What's up, Pete? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, being on with us, Peter. Welcome, man. What's uh, what's life like for you these days? Uh, it's no complaints on my end. I'm, I'm living up in Minneapolis, so I'm, I'm still in, in Gopher land, so I got to go and watch all the games and uh, – Tough year for my Gophers, but I'm confident they're going to have a strong offseason, and P.J. Flex is going to have them rowing the boat to a Big Ten championship pretty soon. Well, that's good, man. You uh, you miss the old days being a Gopher? No, uh, I, I, I do. You, It's funny because when you get there, uh, they always tell you how fast it goes by, and you don't really realize it um, until until it's done. So I, I do miss it. Um, but uh, it's it's fun to watch and still be a part of being so close to the guys and uh, they still swing by my my house every now and then and, and it's 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 still cool to to be a fan here. Well, that's great, man. It's always good to be back and be a part of your alma mater in any way you can. What it, what are you doing right now in in Minnesota? So I'm working at TCF Bank. Um, I'm working in finance. Um, just about 20 minutes outside of the city. Um, so uh, I'm liking that. It's uh, I'm putting that college degree to good use. Oh, very cool. Nice. So, hey, you know for our listeners, let's uh, let them know a little more about Peter. Uh, Pete, just kind of talk about, um, you know, where you're at uh, for your prep career as well as, uh, you know, 
college a little bit, talk about college and, and maybe your pro career. Just kind of talk about that. Okay, yeah. So um, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and um, I went to Notre Dame Academy. And while I was there, I uh, was a receiver and defensive back. But halfway through my junior year, uh, we needed a punter. And we had a big tryout for guys, and, and I ended up just having the best punt out of the tryout. So I ended up becoming the punter um, because of an injury to the guy before me. And uh, it was pretty clear that I, I had a strong enough leg, but I, I was very raw technique-wise. But I figured if I could figure it out, that there'd be a chance I could play in college. So um, I spent the next year really focusing on that. Um, and then fast forward after my senior year, uh, Coach Kill at the University of Minnesota gave me a call um, and he said that there would be an opportunity to walk on. And for me, I had uh, a little bit of interest elsewhere, a couple of Mac schools, um, but I wanted to, to play in the Big Ten. Growing up in, in the Midwest, that was the, the dream, mm-hmm. to play football at the, at the highest level, and, and that was the Big Ten for me. So um, I walked on, I redshirted, and then I sat for a year, and then I finished, uh, I played for three years as a punter and, and holder for the Gophers. So that was a blast. Um, upon leaving Minnesota, I signed with the Green Bay Packers on the third day of the NFL draft, um, and I spent the whole off season and played three preseason games for them, and that was a just an experience I'll never forget. Growing up in Green Bay, every kid who, who plays football dreams of wearing the green and gold, and not, and not many have. Um, so to what be able to, to be in that group is uh, is special. Hey, Peter, what year was that? Uh, I played for the Packers in the 2016 offseason. Nice. Great. So are you, nice. Still, so you still kind of going after the dream still? Yeah, I've, well, you know, I've been chasing it. Um, after I got released in Green Bay, um, I moved out to California and was working with a punting coach out there. His name is Darren Bennett. Um, I think you guys know him. Mm-hmm. Um, great but, guy, great coach for sure. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good coach. Great guy, great mentor. Um, and I actually, I lived out in San Diego until um, August. Uh, and so I was training a lot. I had uh, workouts in Detroit and Cleveland. I went to Jacksonville three times. Um, since April, uh, so I went to mini camp with the Jaguars, and it's it's been good. As, as you guys know, um, it's tough to crack in as a specialist. You know, there's 32 jobs and there's no backups. It's not like you're on practice squad. That's very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times it's just who can keep like their name circulating enough, and then you got to get lucky. You got to get a little lucky, and um, so. It hasn't 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 happened that way for me yet. Um, I'm still working out and, and would be ready if I got a phone call. But um, I definitely have given everything I, I have, and I'm okay with that. That's great, man. That's great. What uh, you know, before we talk into talk about the main subject matter of our our interview here, what what are some things that that you've learned along the way, just just as a free agent, on what it really takes to to make it. Yeah, you just the, the biggest thing I learned is you got to have a good attitude because it, it's really hard sometimes. You're sitting at home waiting for you know a phone call that may never come, right? So it's it's you got to have a good attitude because there's going to be tough days. Um, 
there's there's also going to be good days. I mean, to get those phone calls, to be flown out to to teams and, and facilities, and being able to to go do those workouts and, and meet these head coaches and and GMs. I mean, that's fun. That's 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 it's, that's really cool. I mean, it really is a roller coaster ride for a punter, a free agent specialist. Um, but uh, the biggest thing, and I think it, it translates to after football too, is just. Uh, you're you're only as good as your attitude, and if you can remain positive, then you're, you're eventually going to win. So uh, nice. that's that's been the biggest thing for me. So when you were with the Packers, you obviously had great mentors there, Mason Crosby and the specialists that were involved there. What were some things that they taught you, being a new guy into the league? You know, on, on how to how to make it, how to be a professional, how to how to keep your leg fresh, and all that sort of thing. Would you? What were some things that you learned? Yeah, that was the, the, the biggest thing, what they taught me, is just how to be a professional and how to carry yourself. I mean, especially in a town like Green Bay, there's such an emphasis um, and focus put on the Packers that uh, there's not much going on outside of it. I mean, there's just, during the football season, that's just that's just the truth. And so even in the offseason, you know, practices are packed and um, the amount of people waiting outside the gates and, and everything, so it's just, it was it was really about being a professional and carrying yourself in in a good way. And uh, then when it come, came to punting, uh, the most help I got from them was learning how to recover. Because, as you guys know, you know through training camps, you know, your leg really gets worn down. I mean, you're going you're going some back to back days, sometimes a three three times in a week in a row. Um, so you just got to be smart. You got to do all that extra stuff when you're not at the facility. So at home, whether that's rolling out and, you know, getting a good stretch in, getting in that cold tub. Um, there's just a lot of little things like that that I kind of wish I, I had when I was in college too. So that's the thing I tell the younger kids, our younger specialists, are like take advantage of, of your downtime and don't be, don't be on your feet. Don't be walking, playing nine holes. You know, take advantage of that downtime and, and rest and realize that this is a job. And and uh, there'll be time to to do other stuff later. But while you're here, you got to be professional and and do what's best for yourself and also the team. Hey, Peter. Uh, before Chris and I have two more questions before we get talking about the holder of the year award. Um, this is kind of tying into our third segment, but we're cool with that because we wanted like ninety percent of this podcast to be uh, your interview. Um, so our third segment is typically like uh, industry advice. And um, one of the most popular questions that Chris and I get is rep count, and that's a question that we get from parents and even high school coaches, uh, yep. actually college coaches as well. Uh, I think this advice um, is good not only for the high school specialists but for collegiate specialists and even maybe even potentially free agent specialists because even when I came out and I went to arena ball, I would still kick like 60, 80 balls and warm-ups before a game when I was oh, 23, 24 years old, and I didn't learn until I was 27, 28 to only kick 15 right. balls. So um, can you just real quick before Chris's question, can you uh, talk to the high school and college specialists about rep count for kickers and punters? Absolutely, yep. So that was a big thing that I had to learn too, and I was fortunate enough to have some advice on that while I was in college. So whether I'll go to practice first, a lot of guys go to practice and they'll go out for pre-practice right before the team goes out. And, you know, when I was a freshman, I was going out and I probably hit 50 balls before the team even came out. And you might not realize it in August, but by the time you hit October, all those 50 balls add up. 
and and all of a sudden you you're going into early November with a dead leg, and that's usually when you you need to be at your best. So for me, I I, I was just like a pitcher. You know, you put you go on a rep count, and you got to have the discipline and control that if you aren't satisfied, completely satisfied with how you hit those twenty twenty five balls in pre pre practice, that you need to be able to walk away and be and just be able to live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something that I learned my probably after my junior season was uh, you got to be smart now. So my senior year, when I would go out for even game warm-ups, I wouldn't hit more than 15 balls. And a lot of, I tell that to other specialists around the, the country, and they're like, what, are you kidding me? That's all you fit? And I go, I, I want to be at my best in the fourth quarter. And for me, that was my number. I think everyone's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's, and I'm saying full balls, and I would still do taps, and I would still, I mean, I would do a ton of drops and um, a couple of short passes, you know, but uh, I wouldn't do any any more than about 15 punts because if you get too high in volume, um, eventually you're going to get fatigued without even knowing it because your adrenaline's not going to not gonna be flying around. and um, So that's the biggest thing. That's, that's the number one advice I have to most young guys is, it's have that discipline and control to to put yourself on a on a count and learn to live with the results one way or the other. You can make a lot of adjustments without swinging your leg. So, on a, so, so that on was a big Tuesday, on a Tuesday, which is uh, you know Tuesday and Wednesday was our more heavily you know repped right. practice. What would you? What was your rep count? Yeah, I was I was a little heavier on Tuesday. I'd probably go I'd probably go to closer to thirty balls. Uh, in in pre-practice with about 10 in practice. So I wouldn't go over 40 on Tuesday. I would drop it to 30 on Wednesday. And then I wouldn't really kick on Thursday. I might hit about 10, 10, 15 max. Would not do a whole lot of kicking Thursday. And then would have Friday down and kick Saturday. So if if a high school kicker or college kicker was listening right now, and they were like, okay, well, does that count one steps? Like, also talk about that. Does that include a one step, or are you talking about full steps? I'm not including one steps. I I uh, I would do one steps in addition to my full punts, um, and I would usually start how I started every every pre uh, pre game. I would always start with one steps to the right, one steps to the left, um, at least at least 10 one steps to each side. And I'm not trying to hit bombs. I'm just trying to make contact because eventually that's how you, you go as a punter is you just swing your leg a little bit harder because you just swing your leg, right? Because everything else should be the same. So um, I didn't care if they were one second hang times and they went 20 yards. Like that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to just, you're trying to do little spirals and just worry about the contact. And then once you, once you get into a game game like situation, you just swing the leg. So I would do about ten uh, one steps right, ten one steps left, and then start to amp it up a little bit and probably get to fifteen to twenty. That's perfect. All right, Chris, what you got? So that's awesome. So, well, Peter, uh, obviously we're about to lead into the, the the holder of the year award here and, and discussing that a bit further. But first of all, I just want to say I'm excited about this interview, mainly because over the last like five six years. I've enjoyed being a local guy following your transition as a, a new new punter to where you're at today. I don't know if you remember, you remember back, I think it was your freshman year of college um, meeting at, at, at Taylor Malhouse kicking camp way back in the day? 
Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, so I often use you as an example in almost motivation for kids because you were sort of a raw punter at that point. And I often yep. tell kids, you know, you know, when I met Peter at the camp and I was assisting Taylor in his camps, you were you were sort of raw. The power was there, but you needed to fine tune your technique. And and then and then to see you play on Saturdays, you know, for your three years that you were a starter, obviously a much more polished punter at that time. So. I think I enjoyed, you know, telling kids your story a little bit from what I knew, you know, and following you and, and what you were like when I met you to, to, to that point. So to me, it's exciting to see you and obviously how you developed as a person because you got involved with some charity work, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, Chris, you know, didn't, didn't you mention the other didn't you mention the other day that that uh, he held for Jordan? Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Whitestein? Whitestein. Yeah, you held for Jordan. Whitestein. Yeah. He's one of my very good, very, very, very good friends. Yeah, he he's a very good friend of mine. <laughs> all still keep in touch. I remember him. Oh yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, he he worked. He lives on uh, L.A. right now. He works for Anheuser Busch selling Bud Light. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Nice little gig there. Yeah, he, uh, yeah he would... Jordan always talked about you because he was kind of like my right hand guy for a lot of camps before he moved. So he often talked about you as well. He would call Hughesy uh, uh, hands at at the camp. So when Chris would come down to the southern camps. That was kind of like, you know, Chris never brags. He's, like, super humble. So, like, I knew, like, just being one of his, like, close friends that, that you know, he would love to be called hands in front of, like, 60 kickers. So I just this one time I had, like, a live snap hold simulation, and I was like, all right, guys, before this kicker kicks, everyone call Hughesby hands. And, like, literally, here comes the snap, and everyone yelled out hands, and the guy just crushed it. And Hughesby had, like, the biggest shit-eating grin. Like, I think that was the first time he cussed on the podcast. My bad. Um, no. <laughs> we'll that out. But anyways, just talking about holders and he draws the first S word. But uh, yeah. all right, my bad, Chris. Go ahead. No, it's all good, and I mean that that leads us right into kind of the, the meat and potatoes of what we wanted to talk to you about. You know, all punters. You know, we train them up to be holders. You know, it's another way to get on the field. Um, we've loved how you've developed this aura of it's cool to be a holder type of thing. So, we just wanted to chat with you about how. You came up with this idea for the Holder of the Year Award and just how it snowballed to where it is today. And when did you start this sort of thing, too? All right. Yeah, perfect. So my senior year, so in 2015, um, all those, it was about this time of the year. It was like early December, and all those conference awards come out. So, you know, you have the first and second teams, and then you have the quarterback of the year, the running back of the year, kicker and punter of the year, et cetera. So all, this, all these awards, and I was sitting in my apartments. Uh, in my apartment with some roommates and um yeah just jokingly i was like this should be older of the year and a couple of them just kind of laughed like that's dumb like that no no one would ever do that and i was kidding i mean chris you know the, how i carried myself so i like to relax and have a good time and joke around um and then when he knew me knew that you know i, I just i like to have a good time and, and when to say there's a hold of the year like i was i was completely joking um, no doubt about it. It was just, the whole award was completely originated in jest. But later that night, I texted my, I texted one of my friends. His name is Travis Perry. He works in the recruiting office for the Gophers and in graphic design. Um, so I said, "Hey, can you do me a favor, Travis? Can you, can you just like take this picture of me holding and just like." put holder of the year on it and send it back to me. So I think he threw, he whipped he whipped something together. It took him a couple hours, I think. He sent it back to me, and then I tweeted it out. 
and it said something like a funny cash and and it said like this one's for the state of Minnesota. Um and I tweeted it out and all of a sudden it just blew up. I mean, it it went on ESPN, it went went viral, um, it went on um all the afternoon ESPN like T V shows. Um later that night it was on the Scott Van Pelt show. Um nice. All, all over Snapchat, like um, stories. Um, so it was, it was, it, it got a ton of attention. And um, a couple days later, ESPN came to Minnesota, and we made a uh, acceptance speech. Where I got up in a suit and tie, uh, <laughs> I read, a, I read, a, I read a speech uh, saying, "I'm sorry, I couldn't be at the college football award show. I'm too busy working on holds." <laughs> Uh, and it was just, it was, it was fun. It was just like a complete, like I said, everyone who knows me, I was joking around with it, but uh, people played along. And yeah. that's what was cool. It's because I was bringing attention to a position that you only hear about when they mess up. That's just super creative, I mean, that, man. Like, and that's just, you know, like your intuition, you know, like those intuitive feelings. And, and like, yeah, you, you know, your friends are always going to be like, no, that's a dumb idea. That's never going to happen. But it's like, as soon as you like put action behind your words, like stuff happens and it's just crazy. Exactly. That, you know, like I just looked up the picture and it looks pretty sweet. We'll tweet it out on our Twitter. Uh, but that, that was a pretty, I remember that photo. I remember this happening. Uh, I think it was in 2016. 2015. Yeah. 2015. 2015. I remember that. I remember that happening and not knowing you, but also kind of being like, man, I kind of, kind of want to meet this guy. Like that was super creative. <laughs> Yeah, so what happened was like, like I said, which which is what makes the award so so cool is it started as a joke, and there's no denying that I've never I've never pretended like I intended for to get this much attention. Um, but then the next week it gets on the award show, and after on the College Football Award Show on ESPN, Chris Fowler does a whole segment on it, and then. Two days later, I launched a fundraising campaign for the Children's Hospital at, at the University of Minnesota, and I got over 400 people to donate. We raised about $30,000, and and half of the donations came from people that had no idea who I was. They they would write me, and they said, Peter, uh, I've, I never knew who you were until I heard about you on the award show and the Holder of the Year Award. I think you're, I want to donate to your cause. I think what you're doing is amazing. Uh, please say, accept my donation. So it's, it's what started off as such a joke. It got serious really quickly because people wanted to help and, and donate to these kids. And that's the legacy of the award. Right. And, and for people that are still listening, we hope you continue to listen. Uh, on Twitter, the handle is Mortel Award. It's M-O-R-T-E-L-L Award. And, and he has the, the tweet pinned and, the hashtag is H O T Y, obviously for Holder of the Year. It's foundation, uh, nonprofit, 501c3 organization that selects the Mortel Award winner, given the top field goal holder in college football. Nice. So after the charity thing kind of exploded, because you had done that for a year or two, I believe, right? And then this one is just well, just more. Yeah. Well, uh, my junior year, I donated my. Uh, Best Buy gift card for the Citrus Bowl to a shelter in Minneapolis, and and uh, that's when I got kind of the charity idea because I had so many people who wanted to be a part of something like that. Um, so my senior year, when I did the Holder of the Year thing, I got everyone else involved. Uh, 
for that fundraiser. So I did it in 2015. In 2016, um, I actually gave out the award to the holder uh, from the University of Michigan named Garrett Morse. And he uh, he was on the award show as well um, on ESPN last year. So they, they aired it again. Um, <laughs> Wasn't it like two, they, like two the, people in the in the room or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he made a really funny acceptance speech video. Um and put it put it on uh, on the air. So do you, and, do you have say in like approval of that video? Like once he created that content, do he does he did he like submit it to you and you approve it? Or oh not? yeah, everything comes through me. Yep, everything comes through me. President of and the Holder Award. That's yeah, awesome. president of the Holder Year Foundation. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> came through me, and I uh, I've been working with the producers at ESPN, and also Chris Fowler himself, who's the host of the award show, awesome. and. And together, uh, we all come to, they tell me what they want to see and certain, like, um, limits and limitations, how long it can be, and then we get it, we get it going on our end. So, um, they got on, the, they got on the show last year. It was great for Garrett. He, um, he ended up raising, uh, some money for the VA in Ann Arbor. Nice. So, uh, it's cool. It's just one, especially around this time of year to be able to, to use your platform and, and give it back to someone bigger than football. Um, it's that's like I said, that's the legacy of the award. So in the second year, the second year, did ESPN say, Hey, do you want to continue this? Or did you talk to them or how did that kind of snowball? Cause obviously now it's a bigger deal. You know, there's some charitable things yep. tied to it now this year. And how did it snowball into something more real and how did that come to formation? Well, I, a couple of things, to be honest with you. Um, I've kind of mirrored the award uh, based off kind of the Lou Groza and the Ray Guy award as far as they release the preseason watch list. They do um, uh, player of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, they release a semifinalist list, a finalist list. And if one thing that's been consistent is the amount of attention that that stuff has been getting for the whole day of the year. I mean, it's just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect it, but it's, it's just, it's such a niche um, position that it just doesn't get the attention that you, like you would expect. Right. So, um, so what happened was I, I, that, that stuff, the team of the week and the, the watch list coupled with, my like consistent communication with Chris Fowler, who's just been an amazing advocate of the award. Um, he's mentioned it on air, like during games. Um, so it's just it's with that, with his help, he's kind of kept the award alive. To be honest with you, yeah, there's, um, there's a cool tweet here on Mortel Awards Twitter account. Looks like a guy tweeted to you. Um, my son randomly decided he wanted to work on holding, so I need to take a take a video future mortel award winner and uh you quoted it and said this is a clear front runner for the class of 2030 start him young <laughs> yep we are looking we are looking ahead now we, we've got to make sure that we have all, all of our bases covered so um he's definitely the front runner well, but um, no let's see that's that stuff like that i mean it's like that's those videos never would have been made before I know, but you so, know, it, it brings more awareness to the position like you did. But a question we had was, is so how, if you're allowed to um, provide this information, if not, we understand, but how are, like, the um, weekly award winners uh, selected or the finalists? Is there a committee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the biggest thing. When, like, for example, 
looking at the weekly award winner, um, there's a couple of things that go into that. You know, there's definitely uh, an emphasis put on if there's any like game-winning field goals. Yeah. Um, if, if there's like in big pressure situations, like overtime or or game-winning field goals. Also, uh, they do. We do look at like high volume. So if they have like you know, 10, 10 holes in the game and the kicker goes two for two on field goals and eight extra points. Like that's a, that's a good day at work for a holder. Um, yes. and then, and then there's also been a couple winners this year of the holder of the week who executed fakes. I mean, like, mm-hmm. re, like executing a fake field goal mm-hmm. is such a game changer. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 and, and I don't, we put a lot of you know, weight on that because, for that to happen, I mean, that can literally like be the difference between winning and losing. And in, in a couple of situations this year, it was right. Um, so to be able to have a holder that's not just there to just catch and put the ball down, or if you can catch a bad snap, we had a, an individual uh, from Idaho. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Idaho this year. He it was in overtime, and he scooped it off the ground and got it down, and then made a kick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's some cool, there's some big time plays that can go on. Um, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's holder was battling rain and like a tsunami looking like a hurricane, like one game, and he he did really well. And so there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, as far as as far as once you get into the semifinalists and the finalists, uh, just like the the Doak Walker Award for running back. Um, or the Blitnikoff Award for receivers. If you're a running back, you're not going to win that award without a good offensive line, right? And, yeah. and if you're if you're a good receiver, you're not going to win the Blitnikoff without a good QB. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win the Mortel without a good kicker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta produce. You gotta produce. I mean, you can't go out there and and go you know over five and and have seven missed extra points and like. Uh, there's there's definitely that factor. So um, fair or unfair, that's that's a criteria. So um, as far as the, the finalists, uh, I feel like there's a, a really good representation of the of the of the 2017 class holders, and I think they're the best out there. Right. So is there any subjectivity to punters holding? Are the three finalists are they all punters or quarterbacks or or what? No, no, they're. Um, the Oklahoma holder is a quarterback, uh, and as is the Notre Dame's. Um, but UCF is a punter, so there's not. It doesn't matter if it's a punter or a quarterback or a receiver. Um, the best holder is going to win. <laughs> so uh, just I was a I was a punter, and uh, last year's recipient was a backup quarterback. So um, it, it really could be an either or. Nice. So Peter, I think you were telling me before we. Uh had the interview when does the actual holder of the year award get announced and how can people follow it and where and and when when does this all happen yep so it's it's usually a game time decision whether the video is going to air um during the award show it's been on the last two years um the the college football award show is on the sdn on thursday night uh december 7th so um that will 
that will hopefully be where it's announced. If it doesn't make the show, that's okay. It's still going to be on, uh, still going to be released Thursday night on social media, and um, I'm, that'll be just that'll be just fine. So, uh, ESPN Thursday night. Hopefully, we we get the the all good from ESPN, and we can name the 2017 Mortel Award winner. Peter, yeah, which awesome. which leg should be up and which leg should be down? Which way me? Uh, when holding, like we all, oh, we always oh, see to this day. It depends. Like, it depends. It depends. It depends what leg your kicker is. Okay, well go go ahead. Talk about that because there's high school uh, holders that are in the wrong position every day. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because that's a that's a bone that I have to pick with some people because I get pictures sent at me <laughs> and it's completely backwards. Okay, so if you're holding for a right-footed kicker, uh, your left leg is up yeah. and your right leg's down. Okay, and flip that if it's lefty. And then also, while we're on this subject, you're spinning with your right hand for a right for a right-footed kicker. You're spinning with your right hand. Your back hand is always the hand on top of the ball. Exactly. I was. I just want to make sure we clear that up. Yeah. One of the so, reasons for our listeners is if you have a right-footed kicker and you're holding the ball, if your left hand is holding the football and your right hand is spinning then you can easily get your right hand out of the way and the ball will not deflect off your foot or off your hand. Exactly. Now, if you have the right hand holding and your left foot is, or your left hand is spinning, then there's potential that your kicker is going to kick your left hand. And you know what? You probably deserve it <laughs> if that happens. <laughs> so so let's, just, let's get that clear. Yeah, you know, and no. Peter really hasn't had a chance to, to be too humorous here, but you guys need to follow him on social media. <laughs> Peter Mortel, the Mortel Award. He he's had some hilarious tweets over the years. Uh, very very comical. Um, Chris, do uh, you got another question there? Well, let me ask you this, Peter. Because every once in a while you see this these type of viral videos. Can you catch and hold the ball with one hand? Absolutely. I think you, I think I think in order to be a Mortel Award winner, you have to be able to do that. So so like for guys that want to. Um, you know, show their case for next year's award that didn't make the cut. Maybe they should yep. tweet videos to you. I, I think I saw like a couple of videos that uh, some specialists did where they like they had the holder like was sitting like Indian style and he caught two balls like one handed each on both hands and put it down. Oh, that was a great one. You know, like I think these guys should like tweet at you and, and like plead their case. You know what? They, some of them do. Some of them have figured it out and, and have been doing it, but because it's really never too early to start campaigning for for 2018. <laughs> you know, it's it, it really isn't. I mean, there's there's plenty of hype to be had for for the 2018 holders. So um, there's been some good videos throughout the the past couple of years, though. I mean, I can remember a few of them where just there's been some great hype videos. Uh, the Oklahoma holder came out with a big hype video last week um, that's just gotten, I think, over a thousand retweets. I mean, it's just the amount of people that have fun with with this award is ultimately why I think it will keep going because the holders are always underappreciative, underappreciated until, you know, you really need one. Right. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny, but, like, there's schools that have challenges with it. Um, I mean, you think back even a couple of years, Notre Dame had a significant problem with holding. I think they went through like three in a season. 
and just drop snaps or um, spinning the laces the wrong way and stuff like that where it's just, it's important. And so you might as well celebrate these people and, and have, let them be proud to be a holder. That's what I say. Yeah, I agree. So question, so since you've done some of the weekly awards, and I should know this answer, but have any Division two or three holders yet earned a weekly nod or been in consideration? Because we might have to pull up these Division two and three holders for next year. Well, I'll tell you what, they've, they've not gotten nearly enough attention that they should. And that's, that's, uh, that's in the works and in the plan for, for next season. Is I want to be able to bring this to... Uh, Division two and Division three, and um, because of what they do, I mean, they're doing the same thing as Division one people are. So, like, they they deserve a chance at the award. And um, I, I can't tell you how many kids have messaged me or emailed me or gone through the website and and sent me their huddle tape uh, from from uh, the Division two and Division three schools. That it's it's time that that award goes down a level two as well absolutely i mean we we probably train more d2 d1 double d2 d3 specialists than fbs just there's so many schools out there um you know i i know these kids some of these guys are probably like man i really wish we had that because you know there's only a fred mitchell award uh, which is a great award uh, for specialists for d1 double and below so um it would be is that awesome. just kicker uh, yes, and you have to do, um, well, there's nothing wrong with it, but you have to do community service along with that, but, but sometimes they're not told that, you know, they're told like, hey, just, just kick well, and you may get the Fred Mitchell Award, but there's also community service that you have to do. There's a kick, yeah. But, but no one tells there's them a kick, There's a kicker to that, no pun intended. <laughs> so I think, exactly. you know, it'd be awesome if, uh, if you guys were able to get it to where it's, uh, where these guys at the other levels are able to be considered. I agree, I agree, that is in the immediate, immediate plans, no doubt. So a question for you. I often wonder this with social media accounts that get so big and have thousands of followers. Do you, when you handle some of these accounts, do you read every comment and retweet and message that people send to you? Yeah, um, you, you really can't see them all. Um, yeah. when, when you have something, and I know you guys know this because your videos are cooler than mine, um, you can't, when they go so viral sometimes, like, you can't, you just can't see it all. You're just not, you, you would never do anything else besides look at your phone if you, <laughs> if, if you, if you tried to read everything. Yeah. Um, so like throughout the years, we've had a few good ones that have made it, have made it big and go for specialists had a Twitter account that's still going. Uh, they haven't done a whole lot with it this year, which I understand uh, having a new coaching staff and everything, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, I think it's all in, in good nature, and uh, most of our viral tweets have been. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of them. I think they've they've done a good job, and people play along, which is awesome. Well, hey, um, we've really enjoyed this talk. Uh, just for those listeners um, that that want to know more information or follow Peter, um, again, the Mortel Award is the actual Twitter handle, and you can follow um, Peter Mortel on Twitter as well. Uh, again, the H O T Y Foundation Holder of the Year is a nonprofit 501c3 organization that selects the Mortel Award winner, given the top field goal holder in college football. Uh, the winner has the opportunity to raise money for a charity of his choice to date. Previous winners, Peter Mortel himself, here live, 
Minnesota 2015, and Garrett Morse, Michigan 2016, have raised over $30,000 for the University of Minnesota Children's Hospital and the VA in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, so guys, to learn more, uh, please visit hotyfoundation.com. And uh, man, Chris, this has been uh, definitely an awesome interview with Peter. Yeah, man, I've enjoyed it so far. This has been great. Uh, I know kids, especially locally, since I'm from Minnesota, you know, a lot of guys followed you, Peter, through your career. And and that was kind of during the prime of my giving lessons, so a lot of kids often talked about you. So this is fun, and I'm sure they're going to enjoy this as well. Uh, uh, well, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, I, I, I do. It's always fun to, to not only reminisce about uh, the gopher playing days, but also kind of talk about these, these holders and the charitable aspect of that award that I think a lot of people are learning. Uh, which, which I think they appreciate. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, definitely, and and good luck to you in your future endeavors, uh, whether it be professionally as a football punter slash holder, uh, and or uh, in the real world. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much, guys. All right. Yeah, for sure. And we'll be in touch down the road too. You know, as, as you're pursuing the the dream, you know, we'll see if we can get you involved with some things coming up here, either locally in Minnesota or or elsewhere. Um, I'm well, you got my number, so don't don't be afraid to reach out because I'm around. Yeah, we may try to see if uh, you can come to one of our trainings here in Minneapolis. Uh, I think around like December seventeenth or something. That'd be great. Yeah, if I'm in town, if I'm in town that weekend, I'd for sure, I'd for sure do it. Like uh, that'd be fun. Perfect. All right, man. Well, thank you. Uh, appreciate your time, and uh, we're going to be looking forward to following the. Peter Mortel, Holder of the Year Award on Thursday on ESPN, and uh, looking forward to see who, who wins this award. Yeah, it should be a good one, so stay tuned. Thanks, awesome. Peter. Thanks again. Man, what an awesome interview with Peter Mortel, man. Uh, Chris, that was a pretty dope interview. Yeah, it was great. Loved hearing the stories, just learning the back end about all that stuff. You always wonder how that stuff has developed, and like I said, it was almost created as a joke just to have fun with it. And right. It just it just snowballed, so that's great. So this Thursday on ESPN, when they announce the College Awards, you will hear the announcement of the Holder of the Year for the 2017 football season. And he got a lot of insight right there from Peter. I mean, he didn't have to provide that information. He could have kept that to his chest, so that was really cool of him. Uh, man, the foundation is awesome. Over $30,000, you know, to those um, to those. Uh, found, you know, to those charities, and, and kudos to him, man, um, and, and he's got people contacting him and, and wanting to support, and, and so uh, so now we're going to head into our, our third segment that we always do, guys. This is industry advice, and this is a hot topic. This is about huddle, Chris. Yep, so what we always like to do, guys, before we jump into huddle is we always want to answer our, our user-generated questions, so we yeah, have right. three brief questions that came up, and they were kind of unique questions, and so we just wanted to address them quickly before we talk about huddle. So uh, a recent one that came in came from a specialist we've got, Brian and I got to meet uh, over the summer, uh, two summers ago actually. Name is Elvin Martinez, so Instagram account, at Elvin <coughs> Martinez 10 Yeah. First he says, hey guys, I enjoy listening to the podcast, so thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you, dude. Uh, currently starting kicker as a true freshman at Lamar University, and my question is, what helps more on kickoffs other than technique, strength or speed? And then he talks about his how much he can squat, his, his, his 40 time, and he just wonders if where he should focus on 
on, on getting better on his kickoffs. Yeah, you know, and and I know this kid. He's a really good kid. Uh, Chris and I both got to know him. Super down to earth, super humbled, and uh, you know, like he said, he's, he currently squats 455 and runs a 46540. I mean, I've seen his Instagram videos of him lifting a lot of weight. He he did powerlifting in high school and broke records. Um, this is a good kid, and uh, you know, with kickoffs, he, he's already got so much strength and power just from the strength side. I really think he needs to dive deep into pool workouts and, and interval sprinting and running on the treadmill. Um, really uh, just working on those fast twitch muscles. You know, I, I think he can kind of relax a little bit on the whole 455 squat stuff. Uh, that's impressive. Um, but there is such a thing as, as, as having too much bulk and too much muscle that could potentially potentially slow you down uh, as, you're, as you're coming in. I think running in on his approach is critical on a kickoff. You know, that's kind of like a slow, medium, fast type of rhythm as you're going into kickoff. And, and I think with the interval sprinting on a treadmill, uh, for example, Elvin, to help you out, 20 minutes on the treadmill, you know, think about doing this 10 times, jog at 6.0 for 90 seconds, and then sprint on 8.0 for 30 seconds. Do that 10 times. That engages you in more of like a running, jogging motion to a quick sprint, and you're doing that 10 times, so therefore your, your legs are getting muscle memory or they're getting used to getting in that kind of motion and then when you correlate that to the pitch and you're about to do a kickoff your your legs and your body will get in sync with your brain and say all right i'm going to kick it into gear you'll see a huge difference with that as, as well as pool workouts yep yeah i agree and the only other feedback i can give you you know it's okay to build muscle however you have to maintain flexibility so make sure you're on top of your stretching whether it's once or twice a day um, but yeah, anything explosive you can do, like Brian said, any single leg uh, development training you could do, whether it's box jumps, agility <coughs> ladders, Brian said some of those things, um, those, that'll all help you with the explosiveness. All right, so, so. here's um, Chase.fs sent me a message and said, I understand you're good with kicking. I have a question for your podcast. I understand it's different for everyone, but I'm just a freshman. It's hard to get a feel on where I stack with other freshmen. I kick off the ground and can kick 45-yard field goals and 6-yard kickoffs with 3 seconds of hang. Um, where do I stack with other underclassmen skills? Chris. Oh, that's a good question. Um, first of all, it's in your freshman in high school, I believe, right? Yes. All right. I'd say you probably don't necessarily have to be on the ground, kicking off the ground yet Agreed. although that is definitely a good skill to have and then you you just need to maintain that over your next three to four years of high school um i don't think it, it would hurt you to add go to the t a little bit if you'd like during the season because it's going to help you get more lift and hang time and distance um but you know a three second average uh on kicks i think that's pretty good for a freshman you know the standard for a d1 type league for seniors on the kickoff level I'd say you, you need to be able to sniff about a four-second hang time on kickoffs, be able to hit it 60, 65, 70 yards on a kickoff. So if you need a bar to reach on kickoffs, um, that's a good standard to, to strive for. Yeah, Chase, I mean, if, if you're actually kicking 45-yard field goals and you're actually hitting 60-yard kickoffs with a real leather football, not a composite, um, you're doing pretty dang good. Uh, I, I don't think you need to be off the ground right now as a freshman. Um, there's just to be honest with you, there's not going to be any college coaches watching freshman kickers right now, freshman punters right now. Uh, they like watching you guys uh, when you hit your junior year, um, leading in your senior year. 
you'll have the rare so sophomore get seen that that's just crushing it. But the other 98% of the guys, you know, it's usually their junior and senior years is when some college coaches will be looking at you. So go ahead and go to that T-Bub. All right, um, Chris, you got a question from BGLIII. Yep. So actually, local Minnesota kicker, um, guy we've had the opportunity to train with, and he's come to a, a few camps, uh, named Ben Lyons, um, kicker for uh, Northwestern University, uh, Division Three school in Minnesota. Um, so he says, <laughs> and actually he just graduated, finished his final year eligibility. As a, Here's his question. As a kicker who recently signed with a top NFL Europe team. I don't know about, you, I don't know about NFL. Or top European team. Yeah. I, mis I misread it. Yeah. How would you suggest staying on the radar for either arena or CFL? Yeah, there's like a European, I don't know if it's semi-pro or I don't know how much they pay, but there's no more. European country teams, basically. Yeah, it's the Budapest Wolves, it looks like. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. He uh, obviously wants to try to get on the radar for CFL and arena teams, potentially the NFL. So he's wanting to know um, how to stay on that radar. So my suggestion, obviously, it, it almost scales back to you being a high school guy going to be in college and trying to get your, your awareness out there. I mean, you got to have a solid season. you got to have game film that shows that you have a big leg. Uh, that's a sweet opportunity, man, to be able to spend, you know, four to five months in a European country to live out there. I mean, that's a great life experience as it is. Um, but, yeah, just got to have some good film. You know, when you have some downtime, you just create some more film of you training, just like a high schooler would trying to pursue the college realm. Um, and then you'd want to seek out, you know, trainers that you know. Brian, Brian's got a great in with some arena teams. So um, if, if that's an, if that's a realm you want to look into, you know, just you know, connect with us again when you return back to the states, and, and you know we can help you out along the way. But um, you know, those are a few tips that come to mind. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I actually did a count of how many arena, indoor league, whatever coaches you want to call it, and I'm friends with at least 30 arena, like active arena coaches, whether it's the IFL, the AFL, the the um, the NAL, uh, the AAL, <laughs> all these ALs. But they're they're all paying anywhere from you know. 200 to 350 a game and then if you can make it in the AFL they're, they're paying around 900 to, to 1200 a game but there's only like five teams now four teams something like that so uh, I would go to Facebook man uh, go to their websites you know type in um, the Washington Velour type you know find the head coach's name and then go to Facebook now, that's just an example do that with every single arena team I'm literally friends with a little over 30 arena coaches uh, currently, like right now, that are that are coaching. So, um, add so them, ben, add them on Facebook, and then send them information. Yep. So Ben, like like you always hear, kicking life, whatever. It's a journey, you know. So you got to get through the season, and at that point, assess your situation if you're going to return to that team for the following year or come back to the states, and then, you know, get with us. Brian's got some great ins for arena. Um, and, and, and we've got some connections to the CFL, and, and so we'll just discuss where you're at, but always be refining your technique and just getting better and paying attention to little things. Yeah, and Ben, so. as far as the CFL, make sure you're just putting out film that shows you doing all three skill sets because a uh, majority of those teams have their guy kicking and punting at the same time, so kickoffs, punts, and field goals. Um, so, all right, yeah. let's, let's get on to huddle. Here we go. Perfect. So what we wanted to do, guys and, and listeners, is we wanted to talk about <coughs> 
puddle. We are going to address this further in, in later podcasts, but we wanted to talk briefly about some hot topics about puddle and creating huddle film and what the do's and don'ts. So what I created, or I'm sorry, what we created is, is kind of a top five list, all right? A little bit of rapid fire question and answer. So Brian, first one is, let's talk about the length of time for a huddle film. Yeah, I've, I've heard and seen guys make like six minute huddle films, you know, or like, or like seven minute YouTube videos. Here's the fact of the matter, matter with our position, okay? If you're lucky enough to get a college coach of any level to watch at least two minutes of your huddle film, you are doing fantastic. Um, if it's a guy that a coach is like, like recruiting super hard, which is like, you know, maybe two, three percent, um, then they'll, they'll watch the full like four minutes. I would recommend two to three minutes needs to be your huddle film and you need to grab their interest quick. So Brian, all right. So let's just say I happen to make a five minute, um, huddle film. You're saying I got to make it shorter. So how do I, what do I got to do to reorganize these type of kicks like, or, or snaps? So what do I do? Is, is this the second question of the five? Yes, it is. Right. Okay, cool. So you want to grab their interest quick. All right. And just from the college coaches that Chris and I know, which are very many of all different levels, okay, and even just other kicking coaches that, that we respect in the industry that we've talked about. Kickoffs, or if you're a kicker, kickoffs grab their interest, okay, because they don't know if you're kicking off a tee, off the ground, all that on the field. They know if you can hit a 70-yard kickoff or 75-yard kickoff or 68-yard kickoff, okay, then they think, all right, he should at least be able to make a 50-yard field goal. This is very generic here. So I would grab their interest quick. And one easy way is if you're in a game and you kick off a 67-yard kickoff one way and you kick the other way in the next quarter 68 yards, put those two clips up first, you know, let's respectively, depending on what distance and what level you're at, grab their interest. So that at least eliminates wind. Okay, does that make sense, Chris? Yes. You know, so yeah. like, you know, that's what a college coach is thinking. All right, if I'm, if I'm watching this film <clears throat> and it shows you kicking one way the whole time, and there's 75-yard kickoffs. So I want to see what you're doing the other way. Yep. So put your wild <laughs> kick, your wild snaps. Find, if you're a guy that does all three kicks, find a good uh, melting pot, not the word, but just a good allocation of, you know, three or four kickoffs. Then your best uh, field goals. Then your four or five best punts. After you sort of address the major sort of four to five best kicks of each kick, then sprinkle in the rest best to worst yeah and if you're if you're if you're just a punter primarily a punter you want to put really good hang time it could be a 43 yard punt but it has a four six hang and a fair catch coaches love that it eliminates the return it's good distance even directional if you guys directional throw in a rugby punt here and there because there's so many college programs that roll out and do a rugby yep yep exactly so (coughs) next one highlight film Features. What kind of features should you use in Huddle? And this is, is music another item, or is music in this one? It is, but we can tie it in, yes. Okay, so real quick on music. Majority of college coaches are going to hit the mute button anyways. So, you know, if you think you're going to put a rap song on there or a high techno song on there, just don't even do it. Just leave it audio-free. Just, just no music at all. Okay, address that. As far as, like, the circle and the lightning bolts and all that stuff... <clears throat> It's not going to get you a scholarship, but it doesn't hurt. So um, I just wouldn't, like, overdo it, you know. So um, most college coaches know that you're the kicker or the punter or the snapper. 
but if, if like like snappers, for example, if it's hard to find you and you, you want to show your size, yeah, you know, throw in the quick circle in there or the lightning bolt, whatever that is, just to grab their attention. But don't do it excessively where it just annoys a coach. Uh, try to keep as many distractions from away from your film as possible and just show the raw talent of you crushing this 40-yard field goal that won the game or this onside kick that got the, the team back or, or this kickoff that you hit 72 yards or this pooch kickoff that was great height, great placement, and your, your team crushed the other returner. You know, Grab their attention and keep them engaged throughout the whole film. Yep. All right, so let's just talk about, as our last hot topic, the essentials of a huddle film and what you need. The personal specs, the stats, that sort of thing. What do you need to include and where in the highlight film should you put it? Yeah, so right at the beginning, you don't need to have it a long slide, but you know, no more than seven seconds. Um, just have your specs. Basically, you have your height, your weight, <coughs> excuse me, your grad class. Uh, make sure you have your GPA, your ACT and or SAT score. Basically, answer all the questions that a coach would want to get answered. Show yeah, that's perfect. Show your stats, that's... any honors that you got. Yep. And it's okay. You know, we talked about this in an earlier podcast. A lot of us are humble people, but you got to brag about yourself. You know, when they're putting you up against another kicker, maybe a few extra accolades may help, but the grades, the GPA, the ACTs, the SATs, if you're just a little bit better than somebody else who's got an equal leg to yours or equal snap speed, they're going to take that higher GPA. One, it looks better for their program to say that their recruiting class has a 3.4 collective ACT, I'm sorry, GPA. You know, so uh, every little bit helps. Yeah, you know, and to recap this segment, guys, what I would do, again, <clears throat> if you have a coach that's watching your huddle film, you want to get their interest now, quick, and keep it there. So throw in two or three kickoffs that you crush going both ways. Throw in two or three punts, two or three field goals. Keep them engaged. And then find the raw clip of that. <clears throat> Try to download the video and get the raw clip of that. Go on Twitter. Tweet out a 20 or 30 second snippet video. Basically a, a smaller version of your huddle film. Say, hey coach, check out my highlights. And then have the raw clip there so it grabs their interest. And then the huddle link of your two to three minute film. That way they get a quick teaser video and the tweet, and then they can click the link to watch the whole thing. That's great. So, guys, uh, that is our hot topics for Huddle. We will dig into the topic of Huddle a little bit deeper, maybe actually walk you through how to create the Huddle film if you haven't figured it out yet. Um, but the last thing we really want to touch on, guys, one thing we've noticed with these podcasts here, we've been getting some more specialists asking us about uh, the types of camps we run, where they're at, you know, that sort of thing. So, Brian, why don't you address the next kind of three or four camp training opportunities kids have if they want to come uh, train with <laughs> us and the staff guys that we have at these camps. Yeah, um, here in a few days we have about six spots left for the Southern Specialist Camp in Petal, Mississippi, uh, near Hattiesburg. And you can go to teamjacksonkicking.com uh, to register for that. <coughs> we have several coaches. Sorry for the coughing, guys. Um we have uh, several kicking coaches coming to that, uh, young free agents coming to that. It's going to be a fantastic event. And then in uh, December, uh, again, uh, here in a couple weeks, we're going to be up in Minneapolis doing a mini camp training uh, December 17th on a Sunday from 3 to 6 p.m. Chris, where, the, where can they get that information from? 
Yeah, so we will be tweeting and publishing this information here for the next few days on our social media handles, but you can go to specialteamsfootballacademy.com and under the camps tab you'll find it. But it'll be a three-hour training uh, for college specialists and high school specialists, anybody that wants to get better, uh, a three-hour segment. We'll have some great um, instructors there, and as you heard in our interview, possibly Peter Mortel uh, attending, probably teach you how to be that perfect holder, so maybe you can be a candidate next year, but at least learn from him at what he learned as a punter and a holder. <laughs> so hopefully we can get him in. We'll, we'll probably announce that uh, later in the week if it works out or not. Um, so, yes, that'll be at the Savage Dome uh, in Savage, Minnesota. Yeah, and then January 13th and 14th, we'll be in Minneapolis again doing the Northern um, Specialist Camp, and uh, then after that, in February, um, we're going to be in Orlando and then Atlanta. So we got a lot of great opportunities coming up. Uh, definitely reach out to us on Special Teams FB and Team Jackson Kicking for more details. Yep. So, guys, we appreciate you listening here. Um, we've enjoyed every single podcast that we've done. Appreciate the feedback. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, a ton of great insight from Peter Mortel um, about the fourth uh, the holder of the year award and just how it went about and just life as a free agent specialist as well. So we hope you like it and encourage your friends and fellow specialists to hear it because there's good insight that everybody can pick up at all levels and subscribe to the iTunes podcast as well. Yep. Thanks for listening guys. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you next Tuesday. Yep. Thank you for listening to the fourth down experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.